This is Profiles in Risk. Hosted by Nick Lamparelli. Every week, we interview those who risk life, limb, fortunes, career, and reputation, and those who work behind the scenes who look to protect and enlighten us about risk. You can find the show notes and other insurance-related content at insnerds.com. That's I-N-S-N-E-R-D-S dot com. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Profiles in Risk. I am your host, Nick Lamparelli. Continuing on with the a preview of the Insurance Nexus, uh, Insurance AI and Claims USA Conference that's going to be held on May 2nd and May 3rd in Chicago. My guest this week is Mike Gula. Mike is the Senior Director of Underwriting at Hippo Insurance. Mike will be presenting at the conference in Chicago, and his topic is going to be IoT, Power Automated Loss Notification Based on Sensor Data, or get unprecedented insights into customer behavior. And I think live from the sound room at Hippo Insurance in the Bay Area, Mike, welcome from welcome to Profiles and Risk. Thanks, Nick. Happy, uh, happy to be here. And I'm, I'm glad you're calling out my wonderful soundproof pod that I'm sitting in. So did, did Hippo design that specifically for podcasts? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny you say that. It's uh, a pod of Hippos is actually the name of our policy management system. We try to stick with, uh, with Hippo-related names for everything we have. So all of our systems, all of our rooms, everything are named after them. And these are actual pods. If I could show you the outside, they actually have holes drilled into them to look like pods that are used to transfer Hippos around like zoos and things. It's, it's quite interesting. Wow, wow. It, it looks like a dungeon. It feels like a dungeon wrong, sometimes, but, I, but it, I think I think you told me there is uh, there is some light at the top that uh, makes it feel uh, less claustrophobic. Yes, yes, and the open atmosphere of uh, uh, Silicon Valley culture of the open offices. This is one of our one of our few spaces that I can actually get to where I can get some privacy and and, and have conversations like these. Although there's a there's a fifty fifty probability we'll get interrupted at some point by some random person coming in and showing their face on camera. So we'll, we'll work around it. We have to create an insurance policy for that. Um, there you go. So yeah, the fir- the first question I wanted to ask was about Hippo and what your role is there. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, happy to. So I'll, I'll start with uh, with kind of the Hippo mantra. Uh, you know, we we launched our first product in 2017, really with the the hope and focus of revolutionizing the home insurance industry. You know, we we spent a lot of time looking and trying to understand where things were either broken or didn't work right. You know, home insurance is a great product, and the industry has obviously been doing a pretty good job with it. That it's been around for as many years as it has. Uh, so we're not intending to disrupt anything. We're just trying to modernize it as best we can and bring the uh, bring the focus back to the customer. And the ways that we try to do that is giving people an online experience that's easy to get a quote. You know, you can go to myhippo.com. You can get a quote in about a minute, minute and a half. A uh, customer can bind a policy in less than five minutes with minimal questions, which obviously is a huge deviation from what the industry is, uh, you know, traditionally seeing. We've tried our best to modernize the coverage as best we can and include things for, you know, consumer electronics, home office equipment, equipment breakdown, service lines, water backup standardize the coverages for things we feel that people actually need in the modern day, not the, 
the old stuff like the pewter bowls and the glass stem and stock certificates, furs, fur coats. <laughs> you know, there's there's still some of those coverages in there that are based on the old ISO contracts, but you know, you you kind of limit what those have. I don't know how many people still have their grandma's first fur coats in the house and, and things like that. Uh, and, and then the last and probably most important piece I think on our end is really the empathy and bringing the customer focus back. Uh, we don't want to have a static product where you buy a policy from Hippo and that's it. You don't hear from us again until four or five years down the line when you have a claim. Uh, we want to create a practic- proactive relationship with our customers that's ongoing, ongoing underwriting, making sure that we're staying connected with you. And IoT is one of the strategies that we have to do that, uh, to keep that connection. So on, on my end, I manage the underwriting and support teams here at Hippo. So I do a lot of our innovation work. I handle our IoT strategy uh, all of our underwriting implementation and underwriting strategy that we have for onboarding and post-purchase, and then also our support and how we follow up with customers and how our underwriting and support team actually interact with people on the day-to-day when they call in with questions about Hippo. Yeah, the the legacy is strong in this industry. Uh, just to just to give you an idea, when when I was designing my first flood policy, we were getting feedback from the reinsurer we were using, and uh, they came back with some language. That was obviously copied and pasted, sure. and and I said, I said, do we really are we really going to put furs and stock certificates in this in this policy language? Who has that? Like, yes. I I think we can carve that out, but the legacy is strong, so it's it is hard to modernize when you know you have an entire ecosystem that's built around hey, it's worked, you know. Yep. So you know you probably have an attorney that's you know lawyers that are just like, if it's not broken, don't you know don't fix it. Uh, why carve that language out? But, you know, uh, I'm assuming Hippo started from scratch and just sort of started rebuilding it in your own vision. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great point, Nick. I mean, honestly, the difference is really around the disruptive mentality versus the modernization mentality. I mean, you, you hear a lot of uh, kind of tech speak around disrupting, disruption, all this other kind of thing. You know, we, we have a mantra that we believe that there's two words in insure tech, insurance and technology. And the, the success is going to come from the companies that are able to mesh those two things together in a congruent way that works well with regulators, that works well with customers, and that works well with the industry. I mean, there's, there's some big players out there that have been doing this for a long time that know what they're doing and have had very good success in this space. You know, on our side, we feel obviously that the consumers also want that Amazon experience or the Apple experience to go online and be able to do this. So, you know, we didn't rewrite the contract. We still have, you know, lots of ISO language and different things in there. We've just found ways to add additional endorsements and different things into our pricing and into our strategy in a way that, you know, we quote a policy with the coverages we think a customer needs. We don't leave everything off and let them try and decide what they feel they need to endorse back. We offer the quote with all those endorsements already added on. So we say this is what the base policy is that we think you need to cover your home. However, if you disagree and want to remove some of these things, go right ahead. We have ways to do that. We have agents that you can talk to about these things. Um, But that's kind of the difference in in how you kind of work with a customer and make sure that they really have the coverages that they need to cover the property that they own, dependent on where they live, dependent on what Mm -hmm. they have. I mean, everybody, you know, is in a a different situation. Yep. Uh, Which brings us to IoT. IoT, AI, analytics, Hippo is on the cutting edge. It's, it's uh, first, I, I consider Hippo one of the first insure techs, you know, uh, especially on the, you know, on the homeowner side, there's, you know, you and uh, the other, the other one or two that uh, we'll, sure. we won't, we won't bring up. Uh, I but appreciate what's really, that. <laughs> what's, what's really interesting is your, um, your take on IoT. 
So I have been following that. IoT and sensors, I hear a lot of tech professionals talking about well, why haven't insurers implemented that, uh, that part of it. And, and the vast majority of insurers haven't really done much at all when it comes to IoT and sensors. What do you see? And what, what, are the ch- what, are, what have been the challenges? Because you didn't initially start out that way. What do you, you know, as you're, as you're approaching that particular pathway, what do you see as the hurdles you need to overcome to get this uh, to, in, to an arena that you can play in that becomes, it becomes more standardized? Yeah, sure. So I, I always start people off by trying to explain the, the auto mantra. If you go back in the auto industry and look what happened with cars, you know, you had airbags and you had side curtain airbags, you have reverse cameras. Now you have all these sensors in cars that instead of them having to worry about the driver actually remembering to hit the brakes or stop a vehicle, the car does it on its own. The difference with a home is a home's not replaced and rebuilt every couple of years. Like people that have a new, a new line of vehicles comes out with a brand new implementation of features every year and the oldest cars on the road are 10 years. You know, in California, the average age of a house is 1960 or older. So, I mean, you have a much harder time of integrating the IoT and the adoption rates is what becomes the, the, the struggle in this space is, A, how do you get a customer uh, or an end-of-day end consumer to integrate with IoT products in their home? And, and the problem you have there is houses aren't built with these features. At least they weren't built with these features, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So you have to come up with a way to make it easy for a consumer to integrate these devices into a home. You know, we've taken an approach with some of our partnerships. Obviously, you know, uh, Comcast is one of our biggest partners. Lennar Homes is one of our biggest biggest partners to try and come up with strategic ways to get these IoT devices integrated into people's homes. Because the at the early onset of this and what we've been focusing on right now, uh, beyond the underwriting results and everything that you could potentially do with the data from these devices down the road is really understanding the customer experience activation rates and how you get consumers to engage with these products and actually put these products into their home, if that makes sense. Oh, completely. So, you know, can you talk about some of the risk management aspects of the IoT? Like, what are the, what's the customer actually getting for it? Sure, sure. So, so the biggest piece there is what do you want to focus on, right? So, you know, from a loss perspective, you know, consumers are terrified of theft. They're worried they're going to get out of the shower one day and there's going to be a burglar sitting inside their house. So they're going to come home and there's going to be a stranger in their house. Yet that only accounts for about 2% of the actual losses that occur, mm-hmm. where water losses are 30% of the average you know, homeowner's claims that you see in the U.S., yet people don't ever think about those. And those are the things that impact people the worst when their photo albums get damaged and their pictures get damaged and they can't replace these things. Even if they have a great insurance policy, you can never replace something that has sentimental value. So we focus on three areas, theft, water, and fire are, are really the three main, uh, the main options that, uh, that a customer should really focus on. Those are the easiest ones to get into a home. Uh, the water space is obviously the biggest. You know, if you can reduce loss ratios by 5 or 10% on your water losses, you're talking about billions and billions of dollars across the industry, which reshapes pricing and underwriting from, you know, from the top down of what the end result is actually going to be. You can attack that from multiple fronts. You know, you, you have water shutoff valves, which are probably the best way to go because now you're mitigating an entire loss from happening versus a water leak sensor, which is great and, and will, you know, alert you when you have a leak. But if you're at the office and something happens, you're still having water pour into the house until you get, you know, until you get to the point that you can get that shut off. Uh, the fire piece obviously is great. You know, if you have a monitor in the house that goes off and lets you know when there's smoke before a fire spreads and everything else is really great. 
And, and then also from a from a theft perspective, you know, obviously you have motion sensors and other things where usually you're going to see discounts that are going to be lower in that space because a lot of it is going to be driven based off the loss experience that carriers are, you know, traditionally able to see. Now, getting these devices into people's hands is somewhat problematic. I mean, it's not cheap. It's not easy to get them to integrate. You know, tech is awesome, but they still have to download applications on their phones. You have the whole big not brother easy. aspect. It's not easy. And then you have the big brother aspect of people who think, well, you're watching me, you're tracking me, you're watching everything that I do. Yeah. But the consumer mantra now is, is starting to change. People are, are a lot more uh, open to integrating with IoT if there's a benefit for them at the end of the day. And, and that's the piece that, that is hopefully going to drive this is, you know, partnership with regulators to, to get, you know, deeper discounts approved for customers where you can incentivize them to actually use and activate these devices and drive down costs across the industry because then it starts to impact everybody and not just those people that are, you know, that are using the devices in their homes. Yeah. The, the water shutoff valve to me is like the biggest no brainer uh, sure. for a, for anyone that's had a frozen pipe. So, you know, it, we've had another snowstorm in new England. Um, it's, it's been like miserably cold in the Midwest. So for insurance carriers, frozen pipes are always going to be a problem in the higher latitudes Yep, and for anyone that's had that, it's it's a nightmare. Watching water pour down from your ceiling uh, is no fun in the middle of January um, when it's really cold and having to rip up carpet and air all that stuff out. So I'm especially intrigued with water shutoff valves. So you brought up regulators. Um, when the technology comes, what? it seems challenging to figure out what's the appropriate discount. You sort of know what the claims are going to look like, but you're not exactly sure how much, how are we going to re how much is, how much are these devices going to reduce them? They're probably not going to go to zero. So it's somewhere in between, you know, what yep. we pay now and, and zero. So could you, could you go into a little bit of the, you know, the deliberation from a hippo standpoint potentially even talking to regulators, how do you determine, like, make it, make it in the customer's best interest to get these devices and actually implement them? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great point. I mean, that's the hardest piece in this from the insurance industry, right? You're, you deal with 51 regulatory bodies in the U.S., uh, you know, that you have to you have to work through this at the state level in every single state, and each state is different. You know, I mean, water shutoff in New York is a lot more effective than it's going to be in Florida, you know, necessarily from, from pipes burst and the different claims types. So, you know, the approach we've had at Hippo is really try to partner with the regulators. You know, I've met with the NAIC on numerous occasions where, you know, we're constantly having regulators talk through this with us to understand, you know, what is the way that we can drive this benefit for the customer? Because to your point, Nick, you don't, you don't really know what it's going to be, right? We have, you know, we have filed discounts that we have around smart home technologies in the home. Uh, which is based on monitoring of these mitigation device factors and different things in the house, but they're relatively low because the amount of data that's out in the industry at this point is not enough to really drive those discounts uh, to the next level. And, and that's where the multi-tiered strategy comes from the IoT process that we're trying to implement with Hippo is really how do you get these integrated into homes so that we can actually start to collect that data. And then from that data, how do we use that to drive a lower cost point for the customer? Because at the end of the day, we're ultimately trying to create a, benef a better benefit for them. And, and you mentioned, obviously, water shutoff valves is super interesting. It's amazingly interesting for us working with Lennar and some of the other companies that we work with. But I also think about it as a lifelong underwriter, how many times I've rejected risks because they've had prior water losses in their house. 
okay, great. Maybe those losses were their fault. Maybe they weren't. But what if I could go back to that customer and I could say, look, Mr. Smith, I can actually write your policy, even though you've had three paid water losses in the last two years. However, you have to pay $250 to be able to put in this water shutoff valve in your house, which is a requirement you have to do. But now it gives that customer an option to potentially be able to qualify for coverage where they maybe couldn't in other places. And it's ultimately going to save them a lot of money because the policy they would have had to buy to get a policy to cover them with their prior loss history would have been exponentially more expensive, where now for me as an insurance company, I have a better risk, that customer has a better policy, and it's all done at a better price point. And that's kind of the messaging that we're trying to sell at this point is how can we as an industry move this forward, not just hippo. I, I don't care. I would love every country, every company in the country to start working on IoT because it's just going to create a different mindset in how we can actually push the industry to the next level to get these devices into homes. You know, Lennar is a great example. They have a everything's included plan for, for new home purchases that they have now which is kind of state of the art in the sense that it comes with an Alexa, it comes with sensors, it comes with whole home Wi-Fi. It brings me back to what I mentioned at the beginning of this about auto. Mm-hmm. Homes are starting to be built with these things into the house because that's ultimately what you have to do. And that's the easiest way to get it integration. If it's there, the customer will most likely use it. If it's not there, getting them to put it in is going to be 10 times harder than if it was already there for them in the first place. So that's kind of the idea of where is this going to go in the next level? 10 years from now, every house is going to have some sort of IoT. I mean, you already have 80% of Americans have a smartphone. They, you know, 70% of Americans already have a smart speaker of some kind or some side of high-speed access to internet and things in the house. It's tying all this stuff together so that we can use this data to drive a better cost point for the customer. And that's kind of the end of day result that we're, you know, that we're shooting for from, from an industry perspective. So if I'm reading between the lines, what you're saying is we're going to be flipping houses every five years, like autos. You know, if you look at some of these companies that are out there, man, it's, it's happening. You look at Open Door, you look at uh, companies like Knock and, and Better Mortgage and some of these new tech you know, startup type companies and, and things that they're doing that it that is becoming somewhat of the mantra of, you know, how do we get it where people can actually upgrade their homes and not just like they upgrade their cars? Why not? It creates an inventory and it makes it easier for people to own property and, and have an opportunity to own a house and live in a house depending on where they are in the country. You know, so it, it's getting to that point. Uh, you know, obviously it's a lot, a lot harder to buy a house and qualify for yeah, a mortgage than yeah. it is to go to the local car lot and buy a new car. Uh, but you got to start somewhere and you got to, you know, you got to push that. And, and we like to be one of the market leaders in that space as best as best we can. Well, I live in an old 1800 New England house and I have Nest smoke detectors that I can, that have uh, dimming lights and everything that I can manage through my phone. Yep. I, have a, I have a Honeywell uh, thermostat. So even when I'm on the road, I can, I can adjust the temperature for my cat and make sure it goes up and down. So it's an older home and it was like, you know, pretty straightforward to, you know, to integrate those things. It just seems like it's just a matter of time to be able to do that. Um, From the regulator standpoint, um, have they voiced any concerns? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's always concerns, obviously, the the regulators are looking out for the customer. So they want to make sure you know, you have a lot of tech startup companies in this space. And, And I'm not talking about hippo and some of our competition in the insurance space, but also in the IoT space. You know, there's a lot of companies coming out with some great products and some of them are going to make it and some of them aren't. Uh, So the partnership piece there of who you're using and what you give uh, access to the customer, you know, one of the pushbacks that, and I won't really say it as a pushback, but one of the things that's come back from regulators quite a bit has been around making sure that it's fair to everybody. You know, you say you have a house that was built prior to 1900. 
should I offer you something that's different than what I would offer somebody who, you know, built a house in the year 2000? You know, how do you streamline and organize uh, you know, your offering so that it's fair to everybody and gives everybody the same opportunity? So what we try to focus on is we try to focus on IoT kits and IoT packages that can be integrated into any house, new or old. You know, mm-hmm. Notion is one of our biggest partners in the IoT space that offers multi, uh, multi-functional sensors that work on doors. They work for temperature. They work for heat. They work for like smoke listening if a smoke detector goes off. Kind of the manual hookups and the manual integration where it really doesn't matter what kind of house you own or where you own. If you have a, a Wi-Fi signal and a smartphone, you can integrate that device into your house. So, you know, and then obviously inducement laws and things like that of what you're providing to customers has come up quite a bit uh, in, in kind of changing the mentality of, of, you know, again, back to my point of us trying to drive the industry forward. We're trying to provide a service and a benefit to the customer. We're trying to get integration of this to help limit their loss, which will also obviously limit their policy premium and potentially pass on a large amount of savings, which changes your underwriting algorithms and changes your rating structure over a period of time, which hopefully can be a benefit to the industry. And it's been a great conversation. You know, the NAIC has created a technology team that's specifically looking at these types of issues. You know, I've been on conference calls with many regulators and gone out and spoken to regulators and and invited them into our office last year just to kind of look at our system. Uh, to figure out ways, you know, in Maryland, they may look for something different than what the commissioner in Georgia is going to want, which is completely different than the DOI in California. And the NAIC is a great group that kind of brings all the commissioners together so you can get access to, you know, to everybody somewhat at the same time and get feedback. You know, it doesn't always work in every single state. Uh, but we've been, you know, again, we, we've been open about this. and We're not trying to hide what we're trying to do. We're happy to always talk to them about, you know, what, what, what we want to implement and how and take their feedback and make changes to it as they see fit in a lot of these cases. Uh, what about cyber risk now that IOT is part of it? Does, does that need to become part and parcel standard standardized within the homeowner's policy as well? Yeah. I mean, cyber's a, cyber's a different beast. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. it's integrated very closely with a lot of this stuff and we've looked into it. You know, the, the issues that we've traditionally struggled with in the cyberspace is, is it really covering people for what they need coverage for? I mean, at the end of the day, the, the best cyber policy is going to be one that's just going to make somebody whole. You know, if you look at traditionally what happens in cyber when somebody gets their identity stolen or cloned or any of these types of things, there's always a long drawn out process to getting their life put back in order and getting everything back. Money is really it. I mean, a lot of times they're going to hire their own attorney. They're going to do their own things. They just want to be able to afford, you know, the, the extreme costs that are sometimes associated with that. So it's, it's definitely a talking point. You know, we have a few uh, products in that space that we're looking into that we're working on because we've had people ask about it. Uh, it, it's it's becoming more forefront as you hear more things, obviously, with what's happened in our political arena and other things. You hear this constant, mm-hmm. constant barrage about identity and about all these different things of people accessing data. So, you know, it, it, it's it's an interesting point. And, and that's come back, actually, is one of the things that regulators have looked at a lot, too, is what are you doing for data privacy? You know, right now we don't we don't take any of the data from the devices. That's that's not the point of what we're trying to do. Obviously, the long term goal is the same way the auto industry started getting people to opt in to say, hey, we'll send you a plug, you plug it into your computer and we'll offer you discounts by sending us this data. Right now, we have to assess how many people are actually willing to integrate IoT into a home different than auto. So we're trying to prove that base point out of the gate and then we can move on to the next step of how do we really use that data to drive costs down and, and change underwriting risk and appetite you know, going forward. Yep. Uh, your session on the, uh, do you know if it's May 2nd or May 3rd? 
I don't actually. Yeah, I haven't I said that yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but your your session is going to be on IoT. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what you're what you think you'll be presenting? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's very much in line with everything that we've talked about here. Uh, you know, I will be walking everybody in that session through kind of the conceptuality of how Hippo believes IoT is going to implement in the home. Uh, you know, I, I always use that auto analogy. I walk through that as well, just because it paints a very clear picture of how it traditionally changed on the auto side and can kind of show a little bit of how it's going to integrate on the home side. Uh, I'm going to talk through some of the more in depth into some of the sensors and some of the technologies that are out there on all three of the categories that we spoke about, both water, uh, water theft um, you know, water theft and uh, uh, fire, just to understand kind of who's in the marketplace, who are some of the big players. There's some very big players out there who already have a pretty good grasp. And then there's some other upcoming players who've expanded, you know, Simply Safe is a great example of a tech company who's gone boom over the last couple of years in this space to, uh, you know, to be able to put some of these uh, IoT products out there. And then into some of the regulatory environment and some of the challenges that we've seen. And really, uh, you know, hopefully at the end of it, I, I hope to kind of spark some of the conversation similar to the questions you're asking here of how do we move forward? You know, the, the conversation I intend to have is not really about HIPPO. It's, it's specifically around the IoT space. I'll touch on HIPPO's strategy for IoT because I do believe that we are at the forefront of this and have kind of led the way from a tech standpoint. Uh, but coming from mutual carriers and some of the bigger carriers having worked with Nationwide and Allstate in the past is how we get the industry to kind of push this forward. Because once everybody is bought into the idea and everybody kind of understands that it's not that hard to actually work with your customers to integrate these technologies, it's just getting everybody as a collection, as a collective whole to work on this together is, is really where I hope to get to by, uh, by the end of the session. Interesting. Reminds me of the uh, post-war era when um, someone came up with the idea of, hey, let's package all of these uh, individual insurance policies that we sell to homeowners. Back, back in the early 20th century, you had to buy a separate fire policy, separate yep. wind policy, separate jewelry policy, liability. And then someone came up with the idea of let's package it. And there was a lot of pushback yeah. in the industry. And once the first one came out, within 10 years, pretty much everybody had a package policy. So... It's true. Once you can kind of get a couple of the dominoes to fall, because it it makes a lot of sense. It's a, I, I I was going to say this at one of your one of the statements that you made. It's essentially a win win for everybody because at the end of the day, the insurance company, the homeowner or the property owner, and society. What do we all want in common? We want uh, we want resiliency. We want losses to go down. Yes. Uh, and so the best way to do that is to prevent them from happening. But the second best way is to mitigate them when they do occur. And that's a win-win for everybody. And that's what this brings. It's, it's a, it's an economic value add. It's money. The money people save from the, the lack of losses can then go into other things. Absolutely. And, and that's where you can create products that are actually built and geared and designed towards people who live in specific areas of the country, because ultimately, you know, one of, one of the other topics I love to talk about is catastrophe risk. You know, the catastrophe risk is going up exponentially every single year and depending on where you are in the country. You know, unfortunately, I mean, there was the horrible news last night from, from Alabama mm -hmm. with the tornadoes that went through, yeah. you know, in, 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 you know, horrible loss of life and all these different things. What are ways that technology could potentially help? You know, I, I think of that in a way of, you know, as an underwriter and as a tech company, 
that has push notification capability, could we have done something to notify these customers through our app or, or through our, our policy management system or through Comcast or one of our other partners to say, hey, there's a massive storm headed your way right now. You need to seek shelter. You need to do X. You need to do Y. You need to do Z to get people safe. And, and you can strategically position that in different areas of the country where if you can drive down your overall loss ratio and drive down rates, you could potentially increase coverages that you have available for people in a way that they actually need it. And you restructure risk. It's kind of the same thing that happened. You know, I know you're an insurance guy, so I know you get rating from bipedal rating of understanding the sophistication that the more perils you can look at and the better you can do, you can assess that risk. That's great. So if I can find IOT that integrates to drive down the lost you know, experience on those individual perils, maybe I can potentially offer enough discount that I can increase coverage options in other areas that just creates the different mentality of how you cover people you know, on an insurance policy. And, and that's the piece down the road that is, is really going to change and revolutionize home insurance. And as you have you know, millennial home buyers and such that are, are more and more interested in this, it, it's going to drive, you know, it's going to drive the industry to change. And it's going to drive some of the bigger players that are out there to change because, you know, that's, that's where people are going. That's where the industry is going to have to get because of all the other forces and technology that are, that are out there, you know, over the last couple of years that are only going to continue to expand. Oh, I, I think your idea extends into con, uh, construction habits. Um, yep. the, the, the incentives now will be, hey, if we build this home to these certain characteristics, we know the insurance will be cheaper. So yes. the cost might be a bit more now to get, you know, I'm just throwing this up there, you know, a steel, a steel beam here or reinforced concrete here to prevent, you know, tornado damage or whatever. Um, but the long-term cost of doing that actually is, is beneficial to the property owner because they get the, they get the insurance benefit. And I think that's, one of the biggest disconnects between the industry and everything else is um, there was no incentive or very little or very few incentives for the homeowner or property owner to do risk prevention or risk mitigation yep. because there was a disconnect with the insurance. But the, exactly. the, the way I describe it to a lot of these people is, you know, if you're, if you're, you are a tech company or you are a construction company, link it to the insurance. If you can somehow get the insurance price to come down, you immediately have an ROI. You can immediately yeah. say, you do this, your bill's going to go down by this much. Yep, yep, exactly. I mean, and there was a great example of that in photos of that famous house on the coast when Hurricane Michael came through last yes. year that yep. met all of the fortified for safer living requirements of IBHS and everything else. You know, we can protect homes from catastrophe. We really can. I mean, the, the technological use and what we've done in advancements in building construction technologies, we can protect against 99% of the catastrophes that are out there in specific ways. We as a society and as an industry have to find ways to drive the cost down enough to make people implement these things because human nature is going to be to spend less, not more for the consumer. So the industry has to be the one to push these in a way to offset those costs for that customer in ways that they can save down the road and other things. And, and that's the future of insurance that, that I work in this industry for. I mean, it, it's prime and ripe for this to happen. It's just how do we, how do we get there? IoT, in my, in, in, in my professional opinion, is one of those ways that we can drive you know, significantly less loss experience in some of these specific perils, which allows us to focus other resources on things like catastrophe and how we modernize homes and construction techniques to, to drive these costs down over time. Yep. Awesome conversation. Uh, looking forward to meeting you in Chicago. We did Absolutely. cross paths. We did cross paths at the uh, end of insurance 
uh, book launch, but uh, we'll, I'll catch you next time. So I'm looking forward to your presentation. Uh, Mike Gula has been my guest. He's the Senior Director of Underwriting at Hippo Insurance. He will be having an entire session on this topic, IoT, uh, empowering automated everything that is regarding IoT. So May 2nd, May 3rd, I'll have the link either down here or up here. Depends on how clever I want to be with my video editing. But Mike, thanks again. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. My pleasure, man. Best of luck.